All right, uh, against my better judgment, and I mean my better judgment, uh, we have decided for God knows how many years, it feels like 100 for crying out loud, uh, to once again give you every Friday during the football season uh, the Softy Hawk Blogger podcast talking all things Seahawks. And apparently this thing has gotten so big that we have an actual sponsor uh, for this year's segment, and it's a sponsor that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, I'm a big pizza lover, and Brian Nemhauser, Hawk Blogger himself, is with us, obviously, on the phone. And thanks to your hard work uh, and your incredible desire to monetize as best you can this segment, uh, you found a corporate sponsor for this show. Is that right? <laughs> Hi, Softy. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Uh, dude, it's. It's about to get on. We're like opening weekend, and we'll talk football in a second. But yes, as you know, um, I think a lot of people listen to this. Uh, you know, we've been running the site since 2007, and we donate, you know, all the proceeds. In fact, because I match and exceed the what the the site makes, we've donated almost 300 percent of of proceeds of the site to to Ben's fund for charity. So mm-hmm. over sixty thousand dollars since we started. Yep. And so when we sign up sponsors, it's a great way to for those folks to get some some. Uh, uh, reach and some credibility because you know being associated with you and me somehow means they're credible yeah i was gonna say if they're uh, if they're looking for credibility they're at the wrong spot okay (laughs) (laughs) but uh i mean i'm honestly thrilled this is one of the the types of sponsors i always hope to have um local great product i don't know if you haven't had pagliacci pizza um i don't know what you're doing in seattle it's it's fantastic pizza um and Work with Pat, uh, one of their co-founders, and uh, they're signed up, so they're sponsoring yeah. this podcast all season. And there's going to be some specials that we'll talk about. I've got some other stuff going on with them that we'll talk about on social and online. But cool. my goal this year for the site is to raise $20,000 to give to Ben's Fund, and I, I think we got a good chance to do it. Awesome. And Ben's Fund, uh, for those that don't know, is the fund uh, that is set up by John Schneider and Tracy Schneider. Their son, Ben, has autism, and he's a great kid. I've met him. You've met him a couple times. It's amazing the job that Tracy and John do behind the scenes for People like their son that suffer from autism. Uh, I know your family has your own challenges as well, but for those that don't know about Ben's Fund, talk about it. Yeah, so um, it's it's uh, dealing with uh, autism is, is a challenge for a bunch of reasons. One of them is it's really expensive, the treatments, and a lot of people, a lot of parents don't have the means to afford those. And so uh, Ben's Fund helps uh, with what's called a FEAT, F-E-A-T, of Washington, helps parents who can't afford expensive autism treatments. And uh, they give out grants, $1,000 at a time, help kids go to camps, get iPads to help communicate, all sorts of really great stuff. And I've, I've worked with Tracy and, and John over the years on this. And, and uh, really, you know, we have an autistic kid in our house. And so uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it just completes the circle for me. It's about yep. the Seahawks, about helping the community. And, and now we've got some uh, great sponsors uh, participating. So it's all, all right. great. Awesome stuff. Well, it's fun to have you back, and big thanks to Pagliacci Pizza for jumping on board. Uh, Let's talk about what we're about to see in 2017. Uh, (laughs) Look, I mean, with or without the Sheldon Richardson trade, I think all of us thought this defense was going to be really good uh, this year. I mean, they had seven pro bowlers, for God's sake, so it's not like they went from one to eight overnight. We all expected them to be among the elite defenses in the NFL anyway, what does adding Sheldon Richardson to that mix do for you, Brian, from your perspective? Oh, I mean, this is a this is a huge. I mean, the game changer is the word I think people have used, and and you know that's what comes to mind for me. I, I 
I was already very confident what I was seeing from the defense um, and and how they're preparing. I think, you know, Earl Thomas to me looks like the best maybe he's ever looked uh, in terms of his his strength um, and his preparedness. I mean, he just he looks back to to the type of Earl Thomas we saw, you know, even um, heading into the Super Bowl year. Camp Chancellor looks like he's running freely. Um, And so then you you throw in Sheldon Richardson and – this guy's a he's a soul wrecking kind of defensive lineman and and having that kind of disruption in the middle they've never had that even when they had Clinton McDonald and Michael Bennett back in 2013 they were great interior pass rushers but Sheldon Richardson physically can just you know completely wreck the interior of a line and uh so huge change and and I think uh none of us know exactly what we're going to see Sunday but I'll tell you, that is the thing I'm most excited to see the first snap and just see what the line of scrimmage looks like once they get off the ball. Yeah, well, and let's talk about, first of all, the the impact of a Sheldon Richardson compared to what they've had. Uh, Hugh and I were talking on the air about this the other day, that I don't know the last time they had a three technique that looks anything like Sheldon Richardson. I mean, they've had players there, obviously. Tony McDaniel, Clinton McDonald. Uh, they've moved Red Bryant inside at times. Uh, we see Jaron Reed. We've seen Ataba Rubin. We both surmise that you might have to go back to Cortez Kennedy to see an impact player like that in that position. Is that fair in your mind? Yeah, I mean, John Randall comes to mind a yeah, little bit. But he was near the um, end of his career when he showed up here. He was. He still had a few, you know, a couple of good years. I, I think that... But, you know, compared to – I think Cortez is probably a decent compare. I think Red Bryant, definitely not at the same uh, skill level. But yeah. when he was out at five technique at the outside, at defensive end, I thought it was a similar level of disruption he brought. He was so big and so strong. He would just blow plays up. And I think Sheldon has the potential to do that. And, and one of the really underappreciated parts of Richardson that people don't get is, yes, he's going to add to the pass rush, and that's huge. But this is one of the best run defenders in the game. Um, the Seahawks now have two of the top five players in um, run stuffs, you know, tackles at the line or behind the line of scrimmage from last year. One of them is Michael Bennett and the other one's Sheldon Richardson. And they're going to be out there for almost every play. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Brian Nemhauser, Hawk blogger with us on the podcast. Let me talk to you about the back end of the defense. Um, for the first time in a long time, Actually, first time ever, you're about to go to Green Bay with your starting secondary intact, which Richard Sherman made that point the other day, that the last time they were at Lambeau, which was last season, they did not have Earl Thomas. Uh, the last game before that at Lambeau, they did not have Cam Chancellor, which was, what, week two of the 2015 season, I believe mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. And now yep. they have all their guys. Uh, we'll see what Shaq Griffin brings to the table. We'll see what Jeremy Lane brings to the table. But let me talk to you about that, about this secondary. Is the LOB still bringing the boom, or is there a small part of you that maybe is concerned about father time catching up to these guys a little bit? Oh, yeah, that's, that's not a concern uh, at all. I, I, think, I think these guys are still very much in their prime. I think, uh, like I said, I think Earl's potentially primed for, for his best season. Um, and Cam Chancellor, you know, he, he's he's coming off a surgery where he finally is feeling like he can run free, and he looks he looks more than ready. And not only that, but I think you're adding a guy in Bradley McDougald who is going to fill in as third safety that they haven't had before. Um, and I think you've got some some uh, uh, guys in the linebacker, Terrence Garvin, even who you know is a, is a coverage guy that can help his speed. You know, you really haven't had it at Sam linebacker, so. I look at someone like Sha- Shaquille Griffin, 
And look, Softy, you and I have had many conversations about corners over the year, dating back to Walter Thurmond and Brandon Browner and all that kind of stuff. And, and Griffin's a guy that I'm all in on. I think this guy's going to be better than um, – he's going to be the best corner on this team within three years. I think this guy's going to be a pro bowler. Um, I think that they are going to have some rough patches and it'll probably be rough a little bit on Sunday for his yeah. first game against Aaron Rodgers. Yep. But the sky's the limit for this guy. I think he's going to be – uh, the next great Seahawks secondary player. Well, has there ever have they ever drafted a guy that you didn't like? Honestly, that you said this guy stinks. <laughs> this guy's going to be awful. Why? Why is he out there? I mean, you loved Sherman. I think you liked Lane. You liked Shed. Honestly, I have did they? Not like Lane. You did not like Lane because I like no. Lane as a nickel. I don't like him at, no. on on the outside. Can we agree on that? No, yeah, Lane, Lane's never been a guy I've been particularly high on. Okay. And, and so there's one um, right there. There's one. Got it. Yeah, well, if you're talking specifically secondary, they, they tend to draft pretty well there. If you're asking if I ever don't like their draft picks, <laughs> yes. Uh, check back on my tweets about Jermaine Effetti last year and my you know immediately after the draft pick and uh, pick of, of Malik McDowell this year, quite honestly. I, I thought that they traded back too often and, and get, passed on some players that were, you know, sure bets. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yes, I, I don't approve of everything they do, but um, I, I think in this case, Shaq Griffin is is a guy that um, if they hadn't hit on that softy after what's happened with Malik McDowell, this draft would be a disaster. Um, the fact that I think that they've hit on something there, you know, if you can get a solid starter, you're in a good position to draft. If you can get a, a Pro Bowl level starter in a draft, right there, that's a successful draft. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, and I wonder, by the way, would they have signed Sheldon Richardson or traded for him if Malik McDowell hadn't gotten hurt? And did Malik McDowell getting on an ATV cost Ataba Rubin a spot on this roster? Yeah, I mean, Pete kind of uh, implied that in saying that they started talk- looking for someone once Sheldon got hurt. And or sorry, once uh, Malik, Malik got right, hurt, right. and and, and you know, the implication that I tweeted about it is, look, I am super excited about Sheldon Richardson. What you get there is everything Malik McDowell was supposed to be and more, and it's proven, and you know what you're getting, and he's still young, and, and you know, but the idea is that they're going to try to extend this guy. They're going to keep him around. They didn't give up all this capital just to let him walk, and so really what you're talking about is McDowell's injury cost them really a second-round pick this year because he's not going to play and may never play, a second-round pick next year um, in the trade, Jermaine yeah. Curse, yeah. Uh, a seventh-round pick, and cap space. The cost difference between Malik McDowell and Sheldon Richardson, talking about $18 million a year right. uh, is the estimate for what Sheldon Richardson versus a couple million for McDowell, a $16 million difference in cap space, all tied back to a guy making a really bad decision. But you do get, you do get Sheldon and a seventh-rounder back for everything you, everything you talked about. So uh, Jermaine Curse, two second-rounders, a seventh rounder and the extra cap uh, uh, hit for Sheldon and the Jets seventh rounder next year. Yeah, and and a much more certain chance of you know being a Super Bowl contending and dominant defense this year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm upset for for you know Sheldon and uh, sorry for <laughs> I keep saying the wrong name for 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 Malik and you know missing out on an opportunity of a lifetime and and also for for what it's you know costing some of the the team, but. As far as where we are right now, it's a no-brainer. I mean, Sheldon Richardson is a fantastic Pro Bowl-level player. Right. I mean, the Seahawks are in much better shape they, than they were you know, a few weeks ago. Let me ask you this. We had this conversation on the show the other day, uh, and obviously if Malik McDowell can never play football, then the answer's obviously clear. 
But if he's going to miss the season and he comes back in 2018 uh, and you can convince Schneider and Carroll that he will come back in 18, would they go back if they could and do that draft over again? Or would they still draft Malik McDowell even if it meant him missing a year? Well, I mean, if... More importantly, what would we do? Yeah, I mean, if... if he, more importantly... I mean, really, that's <laughs> the only opinion that matters is our opinion. Because all, all those guys that you talked about, Cam Robinson, right? Kevin King, uh, Reuben Foster, whatever. I mean, uh, the yep. kid from uh, Forrest Lamp from Western... Whatever, we could be here all day, right? Talking about all the guys they could have had. Is Is it going to be worth it, even if Malik McDowell misses the season... Or in a private moment, would Schneider and Carroll tell you, hey, if we would have known that this would have happened, we, I mean, and who would have known, obviously, but we wouldn't have drafted him. I think that, that they almost certainly would, would be on, you know, that's almost certainly the case. They, they're not going to, they're not going to say, yes, we would have drafted this guy knowing he's going to be, you know, injured and miss a year. Um, I mean, if you're saying he's guaranteed to get back and then become the player they expected him to be, if that's part of it, then maybe. But, I mean, all signs are pointing to that's a very hopeful um, perspective. So, no, I, I think this is a, a pretty disastrous situation for, that they've, I think, deserve. I mean, I think Schneider deserves executive of the year consideration already for taking what, I mean, you know how hard it is, Dave? We just talked about it. We didn't have a player like Sheldon Richardson since maybe Cortez Kennedy. It right. does not come around very often. It's almost as hard to find as a franchise quarterback. And I would actually argue the Seahawks have had more you know, true Pro Bowl level quarterbacks than they've had like truly dominant defensive tackles. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, they went from that and they got two of them potentially in a year. They they replaced one in, in a matter of a couple months. I mean, you just don't do that. Um, it, it's a really remarkable move that Schneider's been able to pull off. Let me uh, go over to the offensive side of the ball. First of all, let me just say this about this Packer game. If they can get this Packer game on Sunday, they don't face the team that made the playoffs last year until Week Seven which is after the bye, right? And they're only one of, I think, two teams in the NFL, by the way, that don't have consecutive games on the road. The Seahawks have two two games on the road back-to-back on their schedule, but they have the bye between the Ram game and the Giant game. So the schedule sets up pretty awesome. I mean, it obviously may look a lot different come November than what it looks like right now. But this Packer game, and even without the Packer game, the schedule is very favorable for them. And I like that because I still don't think this offensive line is ready, and I don't think the run game is quite ready right now to really click on all cylinders. I think it's going to be a work in progress, and you won't see the best of what this group has to offer until maybe even December. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, it should come as no surprise that, I mean, I mean, I don't think the offensive line is is that good yet, and um, I don't think most people do. I think there's there's real challenges, especially at the tackle spots um, in pass protection. And you know, for for Riso Diombo, I think it's going to actually be a even bigger problem in run blocking. I think he's really inconsistent there, and um, I think that's an issue. But you know, Jermaine Effetti, I wrote about it today. Look. If you look at the Packers and their defense and what they've given up, um, you know they were decent against the run last year, but they struggled against good run offenses, and they particularly struggled when people ran off the right tackle. And Jermaine Effetti, for all his challenges in pass protection, has gotten better and better and better as a run blocker um, and has shown real potential of sealing on the outside and giving that outside edge to those runners. And so that's a strength versus weakness opportunity for the Seahawks this weekend to run behind those guys. And what people forget from last year, because it so quickly turned into a blowout, 
Seahawks ran really well against the Packers. They averaged over five yards a carry. They averaged over seven yards a carry running to the right. So I, I think that there's reason to be optimistic that they can get a little bit of that going. But, yeah, um, yeah uh, it is a super, super tough game this weekend. No question, but I want to go back to the run game and the offensive line. I feel like you're trying to transition and segue to Green Bay without my approval, and we have to talk right. more about yeah, the offensive line. This is your show, line. dude. You no, it's, me where you it's, want me to go. it's our show, okay? This is our time, all right? It's <laughs> your time. Oh, it's my idea. time. And, and you know what? We also have pizza, just like Spicoli did. Mr. Hand even got a slice and passed out the rest of the pie. Nice. Let, let, me, let me go back to the offensive line, because for the second consecutive year, you have an offensive line with one guy starting in the same spot he was in a year ago, right? Yep. Last year, I believe it was Gilligan at right tackle. This year, it's Britt at center. It was Did you Gor- say Gilligan? No, I said Gilliam. <laughs> it could have been Gilligan. You know what? But... I'll check. I'll check the tape after. Maybe I did say Gilligan. <laughs> you know what? He's gone. We can call him whatever the hell we want. <laughs> yeah, you, had, exactly. you had you had Gilligan out. He had uh, what was it? Was it Bob Denver? Did Bob Denver play Gilligan on Gilligan's Island? I. Isn't that the actor? I'm, no, yeah, maybe you're right. He did have a name like Are that. Are you in front of a like computer that. right now? Yeah, I will look it up. Google Google Bob Denver Gil, uh, Gilligan and tell me if he was the guy that played him. Okay. Anyway, last year you had Gilligan at right tackle, and now this year you got Justin Britt at center. So this is second consecutive year that you got one guy in the same spot he was at the year before. Now, they've obviously doubled their offensive line spending, mostly because of Joko coming in. Still one of the cheapest offensive lines in football. And I don't know, man. I'm 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 concerned about the depth. I'm a little bit concerned about where Riso Diambo is from a pass blocking perspective. Maybe not so much a run blocking perspective, but pass blocking for sure. I don't think that they trust Jermaine Effetti as much as they should at right tackle, but I don't think they have much of an answer there. The fact that it took four weeks to figure out uh, Abushi versus Glowinski is another red flag that nobody obvious stepped up to claim that spot. I worry about Joko's health. I mean, my God, outside of Britt, you're still left with four giant question marks there, Brian. Yeah, I, I mean... By the um, way, was it Bob Denver that played Gilligan? Yes, okay. you were correct. Yeah, how about and that? He died at the age of 70, oh, so, okay. yeah, uh, yeah. you know, rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I started by saying I, I don't think this line's great yet. I did not like the Jokel signing at all. I, I like the contract even less. Um, and, you know, I think the Abushi signing was a good one. I think that they've honestly, you know, we could go on and on about this. I think they really missed the chance, not this past offseason, but the one before. There was plenty. Mitchell Schwartz. There was a, you know, Alex Mack, there was a bunch of offensive linemen, veteran guys that were available that year that they could have, you know, spent money on. And, and they keep saying, look, hey, the, the college players, they're not, they're, not, they're not ready anymore. They're all in the spread offense. So what does that mean, Dave? That means you should be spending your money on veteran linemen who have already proven themselves and have been coached up. Uh, get the older guys on the cheap. Well, now everyone else picked that up. All the offensive line prices have gone through the roof, and they can't afford them anymore. And, you know, they lost T.J. Lang. That was the only guy they really, you know, were hoping to get last year. So I think they have mismanaged that, to be honest. Um, And I think we're going to have to see how they hold up. Um, Glowinski seems like he's more comfortable at right guard than he was at left. That's what he played in college. Um, As I said, I think Fetty has actually looked better as time has gone on this preseason. I'm not assuming that he's made yet, but – I think there's reason to think that maybe he can develop, and it's a second year. Got to give him a little time. But look, I always bring it back to it's not just about the offensive line. How do you steal a base in baseball? 
Some of it's on the catcher. A lot of it's on the pitcher. And your time to plate has so much to do with whether a catcher has any chance to throw the guy out at second base. The same concept applies to football. How quickly Russell Wilson gets rid of that football determines how long those guys in front of him have to block. And one of the you know, real storylines of the preseason is Russell Wilson was getting rid of the ball faster than he ever has. He was clocked at 2.45 seconds and less on average to get rid of the ball in that third game when he played the most, and he's been under 2.5 the whole time. That's Tom Brady, Drew Brees, elite-level decisive decision-making. That's going to help the offensive line more than anything else. Well, no question about it, uh, and I feel like it's time for that to happen. This is now, what, year six? Is that correct, 12, 13? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Year six for Russell Wilson, so it's time to take that next step. And I thought Pete Carroll was pretty pretty adamant uh, about what he needs to work on going into year six, and he mentioned a bunch of those quarterbacks that you talked about, the accuracy, decision-making, anticipation. Those are words that he used when the season came to an end last year, talking about his quarterback as far as what he believes the next step will be. So I'm curious to see if it does happen. The running game, uh, look, I mean, obviously there's nobody there right now that's elite, but I think that's kind of a dying breed around the NFL, honestly. I mean, having an elite running back seems to be a dinosaur type of thing in the National Football League, but do they have enough between Procise, Rawls, and Lacey? The concern there is that all three guys miss 28 games a year combined. That's a concern. Yeah, and you've got Chris Carson as well. I, I don't think you can underestimate. I think you've got look, uh, last year in this Green Bay game, you know the three running backs? It was Thomas Rawls, Troy Mayne Pope, and Alex Collins. Uh, you know, it, it's a world of difference, and you had a Russell Wilson that was not a threat. Russell Wilson has accounted for 20% of the carries and rush yards for this team when he's been healthy up until last year, and he was you know, down at 5% last year. So it, it, just that alone will make a difference. And then, yeah, I absolutely believe that the running back room is super solid. I, I, I don't, I'm not really saying any of them are elite, yeah. but do I think that given, given health and uh, a decent you know, line in front of them, could, these, could any of these guys potentially be pro bowlers? I think all four could potentially be pro bowlers in the right system with the right line. So I think you've got really good talent there. You're out of control. You know that? No, I'm serious. You're just, you tell me you're just the happiest bastard year. walking hey, the hey, face hey. of the earth. You know that? You're the most optimistic SOB I've ever met in my life. Hey, I've been right more than I've been wrong, haven't I? I don't know. You tell me. Are you tracking that stuff, or should I be tracking that for you? You should, you should absolutely be holding me to it. But, <laughs> you know, look, I, I think Thomas Rawls, his first – season that he played that when he played eight games oh. he outgained Todd Gurley by yards per carry by start by every metric you can look at and he was doing it behind a pretty crappy line so don't you, you can't tell me that Thomas Rawls hasn't shown the ability he just hasn't shown the durability and Eddie Lacy you know this is a guy that absolutely is a first round pick and he's done nothing but succeed in the NFL when he's played He's had durability issues. So, yeah, I think a lot of it's more about health than it is about talent. What is the best ability that a National Football League player can possess? Availability. Okay, so let's just stay healthy. All right, pal, if we can stay healthy. And you and I have nothing to do with it. We should, but we don't. Uh, If they can do that, they should be okay. All right, this is 23 minutes now. I'm done. I've had enough. I need a oh, bath. Man. I need a I'm shower. Started. Well, let's do it again next week, all right, after the uh, right. Packer game, before the Niners come to town. Big thanks right, to Pagliacci, right? Pagliacci pizza. Pagliacci. Come on, man. Nobody says Pagliacci. Like, for example, every great restaurant, especially chain restaurants, have nicknames. Burger King BK, McDonald's Mickey D's. Nobody refers to Pagliacci as, let's go to pause, man.
Nobody says that. Well, you know, they can say let's I, go to I Pags. Think, let's go to Pags and I get a think pie. We give give listeners an opportunity. You know, whether they want to pronounce it the right way mm-hmm. or pronounce it the way you know you're saying it. I want to pronounce it the way that I want to say it. How's that sound? <laughs> Okay. You know, I, I'm not I'm not going to stop you, but uh, I, I do thank Pagliacci for uh, for sponsoring the show. All right, you're the man. We'll talk in a week, buddy. See ya. All right, thanks, Dr. All right, Brian Nemhauser. Check out his stuff at hawkblogger.com. Obviously on Twitter, at hawkblogger. Uh, does a great job with some insane takes, insane angles on the Hawks that you just simply put, won't get anywhere else. Uh, big thanks to Brian. We'll do it again next week, and thanks to you for checking it out.